to um, give some Dharma teachings for a little bit. And you probably feel yourself as much more present after doing the movement and the, and the meditation. It's so critical for the work that we're doing here to come into our body. This body being present, grounded here on the earth, on the earth. So much of what this practice is about is this gaining, cultivating, strengthening this quality of present awareness, present awareness. And so this movement, present awareness in movement, present awareness in non-movement and stillness, these two aspects of movement and stillness. And so we're not just thinking that we can be present only when we're still in our formal meditation practice. But this quality of present awareness all the time, everything that we're doing, and we're moving so much of the time. So really starting to feel this is these, these movements that we do, the guided movements, really help us feel this quality of present awareness. While I'm talking today, See if you can also keep a quality of this present awareness, awareness of what's happening within your experience while I'm talking. Because I'm actually going to be talking about that. <laughs> so rather than just talking about it, we, you know, we, we, we want to keep practicing. We want to keep the practice, our practice, our mindfulness practice alive all the time. It's really so much of a remembering to stay here, to stay connected, to stay Uh, aware of what I'm thinking and feeling and sensing and seeing and hearing and tasting and smelling, touching, all these, these experiences of being alive. These spiritual practices that we do are really, um, the, the purpose is to help free us up from our habitual tendencies that can give us a sense of being on automatic or not really being so awake to the freshness of our life. And so we, we, we want to, these, these habits can make up a sense of a constructed self, kind of a sense of self that is moving through space and time in a particular way that feels repetitive, can feel repetitive. And we, we're, we're wanting to open to a quality of freshness and newness and immediacy and presence of what's right here, right now. Some, and yet sometimes um, the teachings and the practices can actually reinforce these habitual ways of being. And this is what I really want to put some light on today, is how we can actually use these practices to keep ourselves caught in these, these, this way of being, the way that we know ourselves, this kind of familiar way of knowing ourselves, where there's a way that we actually feel safe in that familiarity. We feel safe in the habits. We feel safe in the way of going about our lives in a habitual way. And if we do something new or something different or something risky or something outside of that zone, maybe it starts to feel a little too threatening. 
So one of the ways that this, our practices can reinforce this sense of a habitual self, or I call it sometimes a constructed self, through ideas of who we're supposed to be and how I'm supposed to be, and, and the ideas of what's actually going to uh, bring me a certain amount of contentment and ease, is this, is this wonderful concept that John Wellwood came up with, which is called spiritual bypassing. And, and John Wellwood is a, is a teacher, psychotherapist, um, in the, um, uh, uh, more in the Tibetan tradition of the Buddhist practice. But he's come up with some wonderful ways of, of pointing out how we can keep ourselves actually small rather than freeing ourselves up into the, the, in a bigger sense. This, some of you may be aware of this, this phrase, spiritual bypassing. How many, how many are aware of this? Of this? Yeah, most, every, most everybody. So, so what he says is spiritual bypassing is a way to avoid or prematurely transcend basic human needs feelings, and psychological issues. Very succinct. A way to avoid and to, or to prematurely transcend basic human needs, feelings, and psychological issues. Using our spiritual practices to avoid and prematurely transcend. And I'm, this, is, this is an area that is so dear to my heart because I see this happening over and over and over again, how the spiritual practices, how meditation gets used as a way to avoid or to pr- prematurely transcend. And I really, just those two words themselves, those three words, avoid, how we can just, you know, just use many of the teachings to not have to really feel, to be fully with what we're experiencing, to continually try to show up and be a particular way, which is often, we can often categorize that as good, good with a capital G. So maybe a basic message that we receive is, be compassionate, <laughs> not angry, right? Be compassionate, be kind, let go of your anger. Feel the love, feel the compassion, let go of the anger. And there's so much emphasis on this letting go, letting go, to the point where we can actually begin to reject a very big part of, our, of who we are which through our personal history has manifested a particular way, has, has configured in a particular way. Not only personal history, but because we're human, we are going to feel a whole category of feelings that are, we might consider difficult. You know, anger or irritation or impatience or fear or that whole range of emotions or, or feelings that we just find too difficult to experience. And so the Buddhist practice can just reinforce this idea of going towards the good. Go towards these feelings of compassion, of love, of kindness, of wisdom, of, you know. All. And so there's a way that we can, we can continue to reinforce a kind of split, as we were talking about earlier, in our personality. Where there's parts of ourselves that are bad or wrong or evil, 
And then these parts that are good and cherished, then we want to reinforce those and, and push away the ones that are, we consider wrong or bad, put in, that, put in that box. Now, there isn't anything wrong. I really want to say there's nothing wrong with this emphasis on the good. <laughs> I mean, it's actually a really very, I mean, not an important aspect, but it is what spiritual teachings are very much about is bringing in what we're calling good, bringing in the love, bring the compassion, bring in the wisdom. However, if it's not really understood well, then what's going to happen is we're going to, reinf- we're going to use it. It's going to be used as a way to keep kind of splitting off or compartmentalizing the parts of ourselves that we're rejecting. We have a very, um, as humans, we, we have a capacity to reject our experience, to cut off, to avoid experience. We know how to do that by um, these different strategies that we learn. Not only that we learn, but are part of our our biology, part of our physiology. We talk about them as uh, fight, flight, and freeze, which is a big part of what we're exploring here, are these kinds of, uh, of responses to our, our world in f- where we can fight, we can flee, or we could freeze. As on the spiritual path, we want to see if we can some ways rise into what I consider a, a sort of an evolutionary leap where we start to have other choices. We have some other choices to be able to be present and respond to our experience in a way that may bring through uh, more, more wisdom or more understanding or, or in a way where we're actually connected with reality. And I think this uh, woman's example this morning was such a good example of having the panic attack while she was meditating and then opening the eyes and orienting around, looking around, and the, the words came, I'm okay, I'm safe, everything's fine. This, this way of really orienting into the present moment through awareness, through grounding, through connection, and more and more we can actually see what's happening. And the more present I am, the more aware I am, the more possibility there will be to respond to what's really here in the present moment. I see so often, though, in this practice how we can so easily edit out these difficult emotions, kind of cut out, push them aside, avoid them, and keep trying to reinforce these, what we consider these positive qualities of our, of, our, of our being. The difficulty, though, is that when we actually practice meditation, what we're encouraged is to relax. You know, the, the, the meditation is relax, relax and let go, relax and let go. And then as we relax and let go, what we actually start to feel is everything that's there. And the more space and the more awareness and the more presence, more comes up from our past and our personal history that we then are invited to be present with. <laughs> and if we continue just to kind of reject it or push it aside, 
we're, we're, we can feel tr- kind of caught or somewhat trapped in this, well, I want to relax, but if I relax, then I'm going to feel. And if I feel, then I'm, I see that I want to reject or avoid. And we can so easily get into a kind of a, a confusion or, or a stuck place or, or feeling a bit like we're not gaining any ground in our meditation, in our practices, because it's too frightening to feel but it's too, it's too, and, and to relax, and I don't really know that if I have the skills, if I, if I have enough ground, if I have enough tools to really be able to allow my experience to be as it is, as it really is. So we can just kind of be in this, this um, kind of treading, like treading water for a while in our practice. Like we don't really know, we're, we're, we're on the our path, but we don't know if there's really any sense of gaining ground on the path. So, I mean, I saw this, I'm speaking so much from my own experience because I saw this happening within myself for such a long time, where, you know, to the point where I, for a very long time, almost felt like I had a secret self, you know, the sense of a secret self that nobody even myself, is going to know about, you know, it's sort of like I'm going to keep that so compartmentalized and so suppressed that I'm not going to know about it and so no one else is going to know about it either. You know, and whatever's in that box, you know, the helplessness, the fear, the, um, the anger, the aggression, you know, all those, all those feelings that are, you know, I have to keep the lid on because what will happen if I actually let that out? So it's kind of walking, sometimes the sense of walking through the world, having the secret hidden self that nobody's going to know about. (laughs) And yet on the spiritual path, what we start to do is more and more we start to allow, we start to trust, we start to gain some skills to be able to feel more and more what's really here, what's really true. And as we do that, more and more we have um, a more sense of really being ourselves or, or a sense of more authenticity or being a little more genuine even as we bring in the parts that we were so frightened of. I found this quote from Parker Palmer um, who said, I will always have fears, but I need not be my fears. For I have other places within myself from which to speak and act. That's almost that. It's almost like a koan for me. I just love reflecting on that. I will always have fears, but I need not be my fears. For I have other places within myself from which to speak and act. So here, in this class and in this work that we're doing here, we're wanting to remind ourselves, wake up to the fact that we have these other parts. They're not, they don't need to be these fabricated parts, like I have to fabricate myself or make myself into somebody good, but we are actually that already. We already are that, that our, our being itself, our nature itself is already good. It is already beautiful. It is already loving. It is already compassionate and wise. And, and the relaxation into the awareness, into the presence, into the openness of the moment actually is what allows the quality of our nature to come forth. 
the pure expression of our being to come forth. And the more that we can trust that, the more that we allow that, the more that we become witness to that. We become, uh, we not only become witness, but we become that in its, in its purity, in its essence. So we're really presenting a different view, a different view from the constructed view of the uh, egoic view where, where there's me and others, self and other, we're, we're in the duality and the polarity of, of this world. But this sense of, of relaxing into being in the world, in our body, on the earth, in our emotions, in our humanity. Sometimes we even call that the feminine. We were talking about that this morning, this, the sense of the feminine coming into our body, into our emotions, into the world where we, we're, not, we're not having to construct ourselves into a strong person or an authoritative person or, or a, a, um, any idea that we may have about how it is to be in the world, but we're, we actually relax and, and surrender more into our natural way of being itself, which includes our body, which includes our emotions. And in this way, we begin to reclaim our whole being. We reclaim our humanity. And we begin to embrace the suffering. We embrace the dukkha. And as we know in the Buddhist path, this is the first noble truth. The first noble truth of understanding, of embracing the dukkha, the suffering. Which means then, in order to do that, we have to embrace our personal history. We have to bring along our history. That doesn't get to be rejected either. (laughs) It comes along with us as we open, as we embrace. So this is, we're really talking about this meditative approach to our emotions, a meditative approach to our body. This transforming lead into gold. One way we might say it, transforming lead into gold. And it, it, there's, a, there's a couple of things Here's, here. We want to give ourselves permission to feel. It's, this is, it, it sounds so basic, but yet it seems like it takes practice. Permission to feel, to feel the impulses, to feel the reactions, to feel what's actually here, for to know, feel it and know it bringing our awareness fully to our experience in this way. Learning more and more how to be present in the middle of emotional turbulence, in the middle of these emotional charges. Huge learning, not something that we necessarily know how to do already, but we're learning how to do that. How do we stay in our seat? How do we stay grounded with awareness? even when there's some emotional turbulence. Beginning to enter into the energy of those emotions a little bit more, a little bit more, step by step, even if it's just for a nanosecond, even if it's just for an instant, we touched it, we felt it. I was there, presence was there, awareness was there, just for that moment. That's all. Just that little crack a little crack in that compartment that we have had closed off for so long. 
learning this, like this, mor- this morning, this gentle response to our sensations in our body. It's so beautiful just watching people, observing people this morning, just taking the time, these slow movements of just feeling and sensing the different parts of the body. This very gentle, kind, and loving way of being with ourselves in awareness. And then this learning when to feel and when to back off. Call it pendulation in this practice too. How do we do that? How do we know when to stay present with this charge in our body, in our experience, and when to back off, when to move out into something that's more where we can feel more resourced? And we'll do some more of that work this morning in the class. How to work with our storylines when we get caught up in the story and in our mind and we just keep going over and over and over something and we're just fueling the charge. How to, how to begin to disengage from that and cut through uh, the judgments and the fears and the stories that are getting generated through our thinking mind. Such a huge part of this meditation practice, this mindfulness practice as well. And then the cultivation of the, of the loving-kindness, of the, of the metta, of, this, of, of learning how to generate the kindness when it's necessary, when it's needed. Such a, another huge foundational part of this practice that we're doing. This is this reclaiming our aliveness. That's what, what I feel the work here is about that we're doing um, here in the class, but also on this path is reclaiming our aliveness. So, so this is a kind, what I'm doing is contextualizing it here, kind of putting it into a way of understanding a framework. But also, I want to be sure that it doesn't just stay as a framework, but that we're continuing to practice. You know, that's the important thing, is that, is that we continue to um, bring in a certain level of understanding through the intellect of, of how it is that, what, what, what is it that we're approaching, and then continuing to practice, to practice. Because without the practice, we'll, we'll, we may feel like we're continuing to tread water. But so many people, I love the things that were said this morning, because you can hear, we can hear how the, the practice is, is coming alive. That's what it's about, coming alive. So for, for a few minutes, I'd love to um, just take some comments, and we can turn the tape off now. Here's some comments, and just how this, this has, you know, what, what, what happens for you when you, when you